This episode of A Deeper Dive is brought to you by SoftTech. As a leading nearshore digital services provider, SoftTech helps the hospitality industry scale digital operations through their product-centric Agile pods and offers a low-fee, omnichannel, white-labeled online ordering platform. Learn more about how SoftTech creates value through technology at softtech.com forward slash deeper dive. The restaurant world has come to checkers. Hello, I'm Jonathan Mays, Editor-in-Chief of Restaurant Business, and in this week's episode of A Deeper Dive, I speak with Francis Allen, the CEO of Checkers and Rallies, to talk about the chain's comeback and the future of the restaurant business. Checkers' drive through only model has proved to be a boon during the pandemic, where it was the only way many consumers could or would access restaurants. Now, many other companies are exploring their own drive through only versions, considering how popular the lanes have become with consumers. But it's also given Checkers an advantage when it comes to growth. Francis talks about demand for the company's restaurants from prospective franchisees and how the company views franchising going forward. She also talks about how the company views the competition from all of these other brands now doing drive through only lanes. Francis also talks about the company's strategies for dealing with some of the myriad challenges facing their industry right now, including labor issues and supply chain concerns, and what she believes is key in getting it all fixed. It's a wide-ranging conversation with Francis Allen. Please have a listen. Okay, I am here with Francis Allen. Francis, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Jonathan. Great to be here. All right, so uh, the last time I, I talked, things were going pretty well for you guys. Where are you guys uh, at right now? How are things going for Checkers? Yeah, well, you know, uh, Jonathan, I guess notwithstanding the pain, the country and uh, particularly uh, industry has suffered over the past year, uh, you know, we continue to feel really fortunate. You know, we have an incredible group of dedicated people, especially in the field, and it would be remiss of me not to really recognize uh, their heroic efforts. They show up every day. Uh, ready to serve great food, real craveable food to our guests. And as a result of that, we had a great year in 2020, as you and I talked about towards the end of last year. Same store sales were up at 7.8% as a system, and that significantly outperformed the the competition. And that really has continued in, in 21. So our test really was Q2. So as we started rolling the benefit that we got from the stimulus package last year in Q2, you know, how would sales hold up there? And I'm delighted to say that, you know, our Q2 number was plus 8.9% as a, as a system. And so on a two-year basis, our Q2 two-year stack was just shy of 18%. Mm. So, uh, you know, very, very impressive But what's even more impressive is that our organization continued to make progress against our transformation agenda. Obviously, we've got a a five-year plan. We've got a goal to fill in that extensive white space that we have, uh, transform the brand, transform the look of the asset, the the kitchen, and really do a... um, make sure that we've optimized the menu, those kind of efforts. And those have continued throughout the pandemic. And really, I'm especially proud that those have continued with this backdrop that we have of the staffing crisis and uh, and the supply chain crisis. 
How how are you uh, handling those two crises? Because that's uh, like, I mean, yeah. you know, <laughs> we can't talk about the restaurants right now without uh, mentioning those two things at all. Yeah, well, I, you know, like everybody, it, it it's been a it's been a real challenge for us. And, uh, you know, we're so grateful for the for the people we have. We put a lot, a lot of effort into retaining the people that we have, showing uh, thanks, uh, adding to the benefits and just finding ways of making their job easier. So one of the big initiatives that we've done this year is roll out a new kitchen on the company side. And that's made things a lot easier for our crew. Uh, It's much easier to train on the new equipment. It's much easier to deliver a really good experience for our guests. And, and, you know, generally speaking, uh, easier to operate. So so that's been a real benefit. The other advantage that we have is um, a, a system that we call Instant Pay. So we're one of the first QSRs to roll out this instant pay program where you can work a shift one day and you get paid the next day. And about 70% of our people have signed up for that. So uh, look, we, we, we're doing everything we can to uh, to try and keep our restaurants staffed. We've got a bunch of restaurants with early closures. We've not returned to full late night hours yet. We've got COVID uh, closures so we think that our same store sales number is depressed this year based on that. Um, but we're just trying to do whatever we can to, um, to actually make it easier to recruit, easier to onboard, easier to train, and then uh, really find ways to say thank you and retain the people we have. Yeah, you're not the first person to say today that their sales are have been um potentially depressed by by labor challenges. In fact, Domino's had its earnings call this morning. Yeah. And basically, you know, they they haven't had a same store sales decline in 10 plus years. And yeah. uh it sounds like labor is a contributing factor to uh, you know, their decline now. I mean, you know, we, you know, I mean, eventually they were going to decline anyway, because you can't keep that forever. So, I mean, it seems like, I mean, my concern with, I guess, labor at this particular point, because it doesn't really show any signs of letting up, is that it's really putting a lid on the overall recovery and slowing it down and keeping the industry from realizing sort of its potential. I mean, it's it's a, it's a real challenge, I think. I couldn't agree more. And We've lost, I think it's a million workers from the restaurant industry. And of those million workers, there's some 30% have found themselves new office jobs. Mm -hmm. And so I don't believe we're necessarily going to get them back. We certainly, I think there was a, a feeling way back when that these incremental unemployment benefits were contributing to the staffing shortage. I don't think any of us have seen an improvement in the our ability to fully stop our restaurants once those incremental benefits started to go away. I think people have just found a lot of people were furloughed. They found alternative employment, and the industry as a as a whole has got to put a lot of effort into making sure that the people that we have are well paid. They're developed. They're trained. They're given career paths where possible. 
and that we also focus on technology improvements that are going to reduce the reliance of manual labor in the restaurants and start to automate it more. That's certainly what we're planning on at Checkers and Raleigh's is how much friction can we take away from the restaurants? How many jobs, how much, how easy, how much easier can we make the jobs that we have in the restaurants? And how can we use technology? And it's not to reduce the number of people, it's to just accept the reality that we aren't going to have the luxury of hiring as many people as we need in the for the back of the house going forward. So I'd say, I guess, plan for the worst, hope for the best, but we're actually really looking at a whole operation model and saying, where can we streamline and where can we use technology to actually reduce our reliance on manual hourly labor? So do you think, I mean, do you think that the, that the industry has to sort of start looking at just completely changing its thinking and its in its model and from a from an operations and an employment standpoint? Because I mean, it, it really does seem that more and more operators and executives are, are starting to realize that they're probably never going to go back to the pre-pandemic levels of employment, that this is more or less a permanent phenomenon, which is kind of scary, I suppose, if you think about it, given your point that, you know, there are 1 million employees down from the before the pandemic and you can't find any employees. I mean, is this, does the industry just have to completely change its, its model? think has to completely change. I think people are still going to want to eat in restaurants. People are still going to want delivery. They're still going to want to do drive-through. I, I, I think you'll, we're going to continue to see increased uh, reliance on drive-through and, and delivery, which is why we're so bullish about our drive-through only model. People are still going to want to eat out. But I think it's a, more about embracing technology and looking at the jobs and saying, how can we use less labor? I would like to use less labor and pay everybody more money. That's, you know, that that would be nirvana for me, is how can we automate more and pay the people that we have more or give them more benefits? So I think that's a good thing. I think in, in many, in some ways, you could argue it's a bit of a wake-up call for the restaurant industry uh, not to be a little bit behind in adopting some of this, uh, some of this automation. So, how are the supply chain issues? That's the other, obviously, other big headache the industry is facing at the moment. Probably somewhat related because a lot of the companies that you're dealing with are, are um, uh, have have labor challenges of their own. I mean, where from 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 Checker standpoint is is are, are you with the with the supply chain and and how are you dealing with that? Well, fortunately, we have an amazing supply chain leader and, and supply chain team, but I think they do spend most of their days putting out fires, and it, it is a constant challenge. You know, I'll, I'll give you an example. If you want to test anything new, let's, let's say packaging, for example, uh, we're all looking at trying to get new ideas around making packaging more convenient, uh, making it more sustainable. And, uh, and certainly meeting the current move towards delivery. So if you wanna test a new package, you just cannot get it. Uh, you know, you can't do a run to test something new. So, uh, you know, that's a challenge. Innovation is a challenge, but, but it's really 
uh, making sure that you have continuous supply of some of the basic ingredients. Um, you know, we, we have had to tailor our promotions based on what we believe we can get a continuous supply of. And uh, that, that has been another headwind for the business this year. So um, I don't see that everything I read and, and, and hear is that that's going to continue through at least the summer of next year. Uh, you've just got to have a team that's constantly on it, constantly thinking of, of new ways of doing it. You've got to have strategic partners that, that are willing to put your needs as a priority. And that you've just got to be flexible. You, you get concerned that these issues might uh, kind of uh, thwart your growth plans or are things uh, fine on that end? Well, they, in some ways they have already. Uh, we, uh, we will open a lot of stores this year, but we would have opened more had we been able to get the equipment. Wow. Uh, so, so yes, you know, there, there are challenges. I don't think they're going to continue. I think the inflationary pressures that those, those supply chain challenges, of course, will continue. But but they'll moderate next year. But yes, it, it's uh, it's been a constant battle to open new restaurants, to get the equipment, and to get the staff, uh, as well as providing equipment and staff and um, and product to the stores that we have. But as I say, we've got an amazing supply chain team who have done an excellent job. Uh, but we haven't been able to maintain supply of everything for sure. Mm-hmm. So uh, how many stores do you expect to open this year? So we'll, we'll open just shy of 50, <laughs> and, uh, we, which is pretty good uh, when, you, when you consider what's actually going on. I mean, I, I think mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm constantly amazed and impressed at uh, what this organization is able to get done. Uh, but yes, we've opened 50 new stores this year. We've got some very aggressive uh, growth plans um, as, as I said earlier on, we've got a huge amount of white space. In fact, we've got three times the amount of stores we have today just in, in white space alone. And of course, with our advantages of the double drive through the dedicated e-commerce lane, the smaller fo- footprint, uh, we're actually a very desirable concept right now. So we brought on 40 new franchisees or we approved 40 new franchisees last year. Uh, We've already approved 30 this year. Uh, We added another 90 sites to our pipeline and we've continued to add uh, to our pipeline this year. So we're very, very bullish about growth. Um, And uh, we've got some exciting new developments, new new multi-units, deals that we've signed, one 15-unit deal in uh, on the West Coast. And then we've got four or five, um, you know, five or six unit deals on the East Coast. And so we're, we're very bullish about our ability to grow, the appeal of our brand, and, uh, you know, the opportunity that we, that we bring for franchisees looking at a more pandemic-proof, if you like, uh, concept that if you think about it, so many concepts are now testing the checkers model. Mm-hmm. And uh, we've got 35 years head start on them. So we're, we're trying to snap up as many of those uh, spaces as we can. Yeah. You know, that was one of the questions I was going to ask, because it seems like the world's come to checkers a little bit on this one. There are a fair number uh, of restaurant chains that are testing out uh, or have their new prototypes of uh, uh, to be drive-through only, 
you know, reduce seating. But I mean, I think if you, if you just, it just makes, it makes a lot of sense simply because I mean, look at a lot of fast food chains already. They, even before the pandemic, they were at 70% drive through. So it seems like it was only a matter of time before we saw the world go into that particular direction. And that's something that you've, you guys have been doing for, for quite some time. Yeah. And in fact, uh, one of the things we were able to do during the pandemic is we, we always had the double drive through that was part of our brand, but we were able to convert one of those lanes to be a dedicated e-commerce lane. And that has proved hugely beneficial. Uh, it's, it makes it easier to use. It makes it easier for the delivery driver to use. It's, it's really incentivized people to order ahead um, because they can drop into that e-commerce lane. So um, we're, we're thrilled about that. Uh, most of our company stores have been converted to the, the, the uh, dual drive-through. And I just think that's the way consumers are going. Um, so, you know, we've kind of been able to convert our, our restaurants overnight in, in some ways, while some of our competition is going to take a while to get the permits and, and get another drive-through put in. We believe that drive-through delivery is growth is going to continue. And, uh, and we, we feel very well poised to take advantage of that. Mm-hmm. Do you, you get concerned about though, the competition from sites? Cause literally everybody wants to put in a drive-through it's, it's, uh, uh, it's, it's the, probably I would imagine the most valuable real estate in the restaurant space out there right now. I mean, you ever yeah. any concerns about that? Uh, we have right now, um, Yes, I mean we're trying to move as fast as we as we possibly can. Um, the, our advantage is that we fit on a smaller footprint, so we've always been able to get those sites that most of the other chains can't um, can't actually fit on. Um, we think that there's going to become increasingly more competition for those sites. So part of the reason for trying to be really aggressive now um, is to is is to lock up those sites. I think it's going to be a while before uh, some of the, uh, the the larger chains really shift wholesale to that smaller footprint, and we intend to take advantage of that window of opportunity. Right. Right. Correct me if I'm wrong, but it's been a hot minute since you guys have uh, had this level of growth, hasn't it? It's not been long. We started focusing on growth again a a couple of years before the pandemic. So Mm -hmm. we were in a good position to really start ramping that up. Um, Obviously, last year there were COVID challenges. This year there are staffing challenges. But we've got some uh, pretty aggressive uh, growth goals, on top of which we've got a new model and uh, we we call it our restaurant of the future. So I, I said, we've redesigned that kitchen um, and uh, that we've rolled out in all of our, most of our company stores or will have by the end of next year. Um, that's going to really help with the guest experience, but then the exterior uh, remodel, we are in, in the process of testing but it's gone so well so far that we've made the decision to move with this model going forward. So with our aggressive growth plans on top of opening a lot of new sites, we should be transforming the look of this brand within the next five years. Uh, so we, you know, we hope to have expanded by about 50% of our uh, 2019 based over the next five years, and all of them, most of them, will be this this new look. So you're gonna, you're 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 you expect to add 
to increase unit count by 50% from 2019 within five and That's our goal. Mm-hmm. And you're, it sounds like you're on track to, to, to reach that, right? We believe it's doable. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And you're getting a lot of demand from franchisees. Yes. A lot of interest in our brand. I think they've seen our success, but they also are looking at the smaller footprint. They're looking at the services too. Uh, we are consistently, um, we score highly in the Franchise Times annual survey for franchisee satisfaction. Uh, we provide a lot of support for our franchisees, especially in the area of growth. So dedicated real estate manager, construction manager, field marketing manager, as well as a franchise business consultant. So uh, we, we deliver a lot of services that perhaps franchisees aren't getting elsewhere. So the minute they start talking to our existing franchisees, you know, they, they, they get a very good picture of the support that they get from the brand. So we are seeing a lot of appeal and we do think that we provide a very competitive edge. Mm-hmm. So now you, um, you, you mentioned the, the restaurant in the future. I want to go back a little bit on the technology front. You said, well, the, you're, you made some big changes to the kitchen. You're adding, um, you're converting some of the drive-throughs to, to mobile order lanes. Do you, do you foresee other sort of technologies? I mean, you guys playing at all with uh, artificial intelligence or anything like that? Do you see things like that as, to, as maybe a potential answer for labor down the line is like voice automated ordering or things of that nature? Uh, yeah, absolutely. And uh, what we want to do is enhance, um, use that automation to actually make the job easier for the, for the people that we have. So I think one of the hardest jobs is to actually multitask at the drive-through. So anything we can do there to alleviate that stress, I, I think is going to be very well received by our, uh, our current employees. And, and I think we can do it in a way that delivers a great guest experience. So we're looking at every way in which we can leverage AI or automated chatbots or any of this new technology to actually alleviate some of that stress for our crew. Mm-hmm. You, so you mentioned that consumers really like to order on mobile and you think that that's where that's going to the point where you've added these, you know, you've, you've converted some of the lanes in your, your double drive-throughs to, to mobile order. How do you balance the needs of, of those customers where you think you know, where people are ordering more on their phones with your existing customers that just, you know, like to go and order through the drive-through, how do you balance the needs of those two? It's very easy when you've got two drive-through lanes. So uh, it's, uh, what's difficult is when, is when you don't have two drive-through lanes. So um, that's why we're very bullish about our our e-commerce, our drive-through lane, um, our dedicated uh, e-commerce lane. And um, it's, I think today it's probably more of a benefit for the driver for the DoorDash, the Uber Eats, the um, Postmates driver to actually use that lane. It makes it easier for them. And of course, we know that drivers decide where they want to go pick up from. So that's a big benefit for us right now. And then over time, I think we're seeing more and more consumer adoption of order ahead. It's becoming increasingly something that they want. um, And we just make it very easy for people. Um, I think uh, the last question, what's keeping you up at night these days? Besides staffing and supply chain <laughs> uh, <laughs> and competition. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, 
you know, I think it's about making sure that we don't wear our people out. Um, you know, we hear about this burnout all the time. And, and it's been really, really tough on, on our field, in our crews. I mean, they've had to deal with so much during COVID. And so that's, I think, the thing that we all worry about the most as, a, as an executive team is how do we make sure that we take care of our people, that we don't burn them out, while at the same time trying to balance that with, with staying open. Uh, so I, I'm sure that that's something that uh, all CEOs are really trying to weigh right now is, uh, you know, how do you how do you keep people safe? How do you keep people healthy? And how do you keep people motivated and, and just not burn them out in this current environment? Awesome. Francis, this was fantastic. I really appreciated you joining me this week on the podcast. Thank you. Great to be here, Jonathan. Thanks for having me. And that should do it for this week's episode of A Deeper Dive, which was edited by Kimberly Kazmarek, artwork by Nico Hines. You may find this and other episodes of the podcast on our website at www.restaurantbusinessonline.com backslash article backslash deeper dash dive. And you may find them on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or anywhere you get your fancy listening shows. I'm Jonathan Mays, your host, podcast producer, and the editor-in-chief of Restaurant Business. Thank you for listening. For fresh ideas, visit softtech.com forward slash deeper dive for more details about how softtech helps the hospitality industry optimize IT operations, revenue, and elevate the guest experience across all order and paid channels with its low fee, white labeled restaurant platform. Softtech, time to evolve.